0: chapter 42 of god's fool by martin martins this LibriVox recording is in the public domain recording by anna simon blind justice the pups were romping as it seems that only pups whether four or two-footed have the power and the pleasure to do there were four pups so their father would have told you in various degrees of beautiful lessness each naughtier and noisier than the one overhead and sweeter no, not sweeter, when you came to remember how very sweet the other was. They were all sweeter than each other, in a perfect circle of superlative comparison, delightfully illogical, appreciably true. The ball of a parent's affection rolls so swiftly and continuously in such a home circle as this, that he never has time to realize how the solid girdle is but a unit in ceaseless motion." It is an optical illusion of the heart. As for sweetness, don't let's talk of it in connection with other people's children. Each leper, says the bachelor, likes his own sores best. And I didn't come to look at your pictures, thinks the artist, unless it be to compare them to mine. Each parent is a poet, and his child is his poem. Few people, even poets, care to read other people's poetry. Especially poets. A truth is no less a truth because stated ungrammatically on the contrary imperfect utterance is of the very essence of truth the sweetness of hubert lossell's children therefore must be accepted on the unsupported testimony of hubert lossell alone if cornelia be called as a witness i object the middle-aged man next door who wrote for the press and in the press was quite sure about the naughtiness and the noise these lossells did not live detached you see not even semi-detached they had selected a residence in one of those new streets which have sprung up of late years in hundreds round all dutch cities streets constructed on a system both sociable and economical which enables several families for instance to combine in buying the same copy of a paper, and to arrange that its contents shall be read aloud in the sitting-room of the centre-house with the neighbours comfortably listening each in his own. The style of building has other advantages. It renders all the talking from door to door and questioning of servant-mates superfluous. When number 19 hears number 17 sneeze, she need not even ring to ask Betje whether that heartless dentist still persists in dragging out his poor little delicate wife night after night. And besides, rents being high, the jerry-builder can build a better house for himself. So that all comes right in the end. In no civilized country does the Jerry builder rule supreme as in this land of damp. The Dutch are too accustomed to damp to be afraid of it. Its graceful designs, they think, often as artistic as King Frost's, improve the look of the very cheap gray wallpaper the landlord has provided, and the wretched, half-painted white doors are none the worse for a little Italian curling and cracking damp is inevitable as death and therefore we may as well all die of malaria in our childhood some of us don't alas but grow up rickety to beget rickety children and it is so funny to see those dear little frogs come skipping over the carpet or to discover that baby has eaten all the pretty toadstools which grew in that corner by the store cupboard if you happen to have a couple of soiled packs of cards lying about and a box or two of lucifer matches you can start for holland and set a business as a builder the insurance companies will not insist on your using bryant and maize they can hardly be over particular and besides the damp is bound to take the fizzle out of everything in a day or two all evils have their compensations here below in the lease of some of these Dutch houses a clause has been introduced which expressly stipulates that there shall be no dancing and no piano. In Germany, where the buildings are massive as a rule, such clauses are unknown, and the people live in flats. All this may be very funny, you say, but it has nothing to do with the subject. The subject, as I understood it, was originally pups, not kennels.' nay gentle reader be not impatient like the much pressed gentleman next door all of it is connected somehow or other propping and propped even as the houses in the street and as to what you have just been reading whether you liked it or not i must beg to disclaim all responsibility in connection with it it is all out of an article that unfortunate journalist was writing and he naturally felt sore and spiteful on the house question for the dutch style of building Materially affected his own top story, besides reducing the circulation of his paper by two thirds. He had every reason to cry out, like a voice in a wilderness of bricks, for thicker walls. He cried out internally, and the little lossells answered audibly, Ya, yeah. Ya, yeah, Ya, yeah, Ya, yeah, screamed the little lossells, running to and fro, and kicking their toes out at everything kickable. The third child, judy shade of stately judith lossell was playing at hiding herself à la mode d'autruche by pressing a pair of chubby hands tightly against her eyes and calling to her elder brother and sister to look for her from his throne on mother's lap hubby the babiest of the babies clapped his hands and crowed as well he might the little cock of the walk a cock has a fine nose hubby's would be put out of joint in a couple of months what a fine baby it is, said Hubert. Do you know, Mag, I think he is prettier than the others were at his age. Margaret laughed. You say that of them all, she answered. At least you said it of Judy, but not of Winifred protested Hubert in self-defence. Margaret laughed again. No, you could hardly have said it of Winnie, she replied. Poor Winnie, she was certainly not a beauty at her birth they remember old mr topham of the consulate but madam the child is not really so ugly as it was given to understand that was a pretty speech to make to a mother and very kindly meant she tossed up hubby in her merriment at the recollection and that young gentleman stretched out his hands in mid-air towards the other three mites rolling higgledy-piggledy on the floor but she has vastly improved said hubert whom the story rendered slightly huffy even now she is quite as nice-looking as the other little girls one sees. "'Handsome is as handsome does,' declared Margaret, setting down the struggling baby, who at once rolled away and joined the rest. "'It's the other way in the world,' said Hubert. "'Hubert, I wish you would not say such things. You do not mean them. To hear you talk, one would think you did not believe in goodness at all.' "'I don't. Miserable sinners, is that not what you say every Sunday?' Do you mean the words or do you not?' "'I mean them,' she answered solemnly, and every Sunday I say, "'Lord, have mercy upon us, and I mean those words too.' "'Then we are at one,' he said lightly. The flippancy of his tone jarred upon her ear. "'Wherever I turn I see miserable sinners, is where would they not be when you find them in church? They are not good, my sinners. Are yours?' "'No, I do not believe in human goodness. "'In effort, perhaps, as long as it is not too exhausting. "'But we never allow virtue to approach too near us, "'for we can't stand her treading on our corns.' "'Is our effort to succeed single-handed?' began Margaret. "'No religion, I entreat of you. "'You know, Mag, I bargained for Sundays only "'and an extra day in year. "'He broke away from her and ran to pick up the baby.' which had somehow fallen on one side and could not right itself. But, a moment after, he came back to her. "'No,' he said hurriedly, speaking with much feeling. "'I do not believe in goodness, not even with you as an example. We are only bad and worse, and so we must not be angry with the worst. I believe in human justice, sometimes, when a man is found wise and strong enough to dispense it. Not in divine justice. Ah, not in that!' Look at Elias. God is dead. Only the world has not got accustomed to the idea yet, and some of us, I myself, go on crying to him, and perhaps loving him, as we do with our own human lost ones. I believe in living straight. Straight on in the darkness. That is always best. And what else can we do? And I believe in destiny.' "'Don't, Jack!' cried Margaret in mingled anguish and anxiety of soul, to her eldest, who is climbing up to the lamp. In blind, inexorable fate. Let us go straight, whatever the goal. There is no goal. There are no signposts. Our feet are ours. That is all we know. And the road? The road is God's, say you. It is fate's, say I. What does it matter? The end is the same. The end is wickedness, cruelty, injustice, theft, theft murder destitution and the cry of the innocent and the helpless strikes cold against a smiling heaven he turned and left her without another look at her or at the children who astonished by this abrupt departure followed him out into the passage en troupe clamoring for a good night from papa margaret rose slowly and sorrowfully to bring them back poor hubert she said to herself it is his business with hendrik that is troubling him very much I wish we could have stayed out at Shanghai, but I suppose it was right to come here. She prepared to go after her offspring, when a scream from outside caused her to hasten her steps. The children were huddled up in a bunch under the gas lamp, halfway down the long, narrow hall by the stairs. Winifred, the poor little creature with the outlandish name and plain features, was vigorously scolding John James. John James was looking guilty and judy was howling as if a whole atlantic ocean of pain and indignation were tossing in her tiny breast she was vainly endeavouring to utilise her two hands having only two in three places at once and to rub both her eyes and the back of her head and the discovery of the difficulties inseparable from such a struggle augmented her feeling of injury and consequently the tempest of sorrow in her soul she was only three years old, but she already agreed with her father that life strikes more sores than man has powers of healing. Furthermore, John James had hold of hubby by his skirts. Thus, human order, in the form of the mater familias, came upon them and arraigned them before human justice, in the form of the mater familias again. The part of justice, assisted by delation, was not an arduous one. Little Winifred, sharp-faced sharp-voiced, sharp-witted, was eager to tell how Jack had pushed past Judy in the chase after their retreating father and had knocked up against her and sent her flying against the linen press. "'Yes, and he bum b- bumbled me,' explained Judy between her howls, a confusion of bump and tumble. Jack looked sorrow and shame-struck, but he still clung to the protesting hubby's long-drawn skirts. It was too bad.' The little sufferer had a big bruise on her small head, a bruise bad enough to warrant arnica, and self-righteousness, and all the interest of invalidism. Domestic justice felt that her task in this case was easy. Judy's head must be covered with a bandage, and Jack's with reproach. How often had she not told him to be more careful with his poor little sisters? A great rough boy that was not fit to play with little girls. It was the older child that should look after the younger, instead of which, if they hurt themselves, it was almost always through Jack. He was very naughty. Am I not perpetually repeating to you, Jack, that you should be careful with the little ones? Yes, mummy, said Jack, ruefully watching the bathing of Judy's head. Judy's yells had subsided into a tearful pucker of reproach. Well, if he would not listen to her, he must be punished. He could have no sugar in his porridge tonight." There is a right and wrong in this world after all, whatever Hubert's despairing idealism may say, and responsible justice must clearly distinguish them, and that a child must be trained up from his youth in the way he should go. The compromise of the parents paves most men's way to hell. She watched her eldest as he slowly ate his unsweetened porridge. She watched him with inexorable face. It was very painful, most painful to her parents like to think that especially when they beat their children but it was unavoidable there is nothing cruel she said to herself in this world except sin and the beauty of leading these infant minds in the right path once more impressed itself upon her she often allowed her thoughts to dwell upon it as she sat at her quiet needlework it was the joy and the duty of her life she would think also doubtless prayerfully of the responsibility but she liked to think of the beauty best. And tonight her thoughts lingered around Elias, that new-found child, away in his lonely home with his nurse and his canaries, and round the little one, soon to be sent to complete a circle which never seemed incomplete till next time. She sat fondly watching the whole troop of them, intent on their supper, scooping vigorously in their already empty bowels, Winifred quick, impatient and neat, Judy, with a big knot and a pair of donkey's ears, sticking out on the top of her head. Jack stopped scooping first. Supper precedes bed with most children. Alas, that it should not be so with all. Jack slept in his parents' room. The other three were in the night nursery with their nurse. The young gentleman found himself marched off in disgrace by his mother, and it was not till he had been tucked in, kissless because unrepentant, that he opened his mouth and spake. "'Mummy, I want to tell you something.' "'What is it, Jack?' "'I didn't knock over Judy on purpose.' "'Perhaps not, but you should have been more careful. I have often told you so.' "'No, but I mean I really couldn't help it. It was Hubby. He crawled after Papa, and he was quite near the stairs already, and I remembered what you would said about looking after them, and I just caught him as he was going to tumble. And I fell, Mummy.' "'I did, really, cause I was in such a hurry. "'He was on the stairs, you see. "'I mean, at the top. "'And I knocked over Judy cause she got in the way.' Mark was silent. "'And I hurt myself,' said Jack meekly. "'A little.' He pulled up his nightgown and discovered a blue bruise over his knee. "'Why did you not say so at once?' asked his mother, a little crossly. "'Cause I didn't want to bother about Winnie.' As Margaret went slowly downstairs, she pondered the beauty and the responsibility of it all. But the responsibility lay topmost in her mind. She wondered whether she would find her husband waiting for her in the drawing-room. It was his almost invariable custom to come in to tea after the children had been stowed away for the day. They would often read together for an hour or so, alternately choosing the book. Their choice was very dissimilar. Hubert was last pitched on Bulwer's Eugene Aram, and now they were reading Margaret's selection, Kingsley's Life and Letters. Hubert was a stay-at-home, solitary man. He abhorred all festive gatherings and theatrical or musical entertainments. He abhorred even the sociable privacy of a club. He was always uncomfortable, under amusement of any kind. He was waiting for her now, calmly, as if nothing had happened, with the book open before him. She saw that he wished her to ignore his outburst, and so she went over quietly to her tea-table and sat down. They had left off at chapter 11 the evening before. He read on tranquilly in the hush of the softly lighted room to the occasional click of her movements among the cups and saucers, and presently he came to that bit about the taking away of human life, in one of the letters to Thomas Cooper, the chartist. Quote, After much thought, I have come to the conclusion that you cannot take away human life, that animal life is all you take away, and that very often the best thing you can do for a poor creature is to put him out of this world, saying, you are evidently unable to get on here. We render you back into God's hands that he may judge you and set you to work again somewhere else, giving you a fresh chance as you have spoiled this one. He laid down the book. The hero it describes with his passionate, life-absorbing, life-expanding love of earth and heaven, of god and man, of body and soul, he could not rightly appreciate, as all will understand who knew them both. His was a very different view of existence. He had read for his wife's pleasure, untouched in his heart. That is strikingly put, he said thoughtfully. Very strikingly put. And then, before Margaret could make any remark, he took up the volume again, and read on wait a minute hubert she said interrupting him will you have another cup of tea end of chapter forty two